let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC. I'm not really an influencer, cool celebrity. I am Jade, your neighbor. Jade Womack never expected her clockout DC page to grow as quickly as it did. But here we are. She's got 70,000 followers and her Instagram stories get thousands of views per day. Sounds pretty great, right? Well, as it often is on the internet, with that success came backlash. And Jade's here to tell us about how she navigates all of it. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. When we were talking about doing this interview, it was like, boy, do I know a little something about the things that Jade is experiencing. Oh um, so really excited to be connecting. Yeah. What does it feel like to be just one single person who runs this project that you just started out to be like a fun thing that is now blown up in D.C. and kind of taken over your life? What does that experience feel like for you? Well... The word cloud of this entire experience were probably like wild, grateful, surprising, and scared, like all the time scared, I guess. And yeah, it's been really fun though, I would say. You always are learning stuff. You meet so many people, but yeah, who knew? Who knew that this would be my pandemic hobby that just somehow like blew up? And I started it before the pandemic and it just kind of just gained this momentum and steam. And uh, here we are now, 70,000 followers later. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be, does it ever feel like a double-edged sword where it's something that you're so grateful to have built and something so happy to have in your life, but also comes with this baggage that can be a real particular experience to unpack? Oh, for sure. I think it's kind of like the snake that eats itself because, you know, it's fun that you get to share this stuff to people about things to do in events. But that means that as you grow, more people see the stuff that you share. That means that if somebody doesn't like it, the more chances of they will let you know and the more chances of you getting bullied or quote canceled or whatever that is. So the stakes get higher as things build, I guess. That being said, the impact you can have also gets greater too. So it's hard. I've had some really great instances where there was this uh, woman, she was a recent Afghan evacuee, and she messaged me and she was like, I never saw my culture until I moved to DC. And I saw you shared an Afghan film festival. Thank you for letting me find like a home in DC. Powerful, amazing. The Armed Forces Retirement Home uh, emailed me frantically because they had this volunteer group pull out and I posted something asking, you know, my community like, hey, like we send Christmas cards to this like group. Does anybody want to help like volunteer at this retirement home? And 
20 people from Instagram spontaneously help this retirement home. And they sent me a photo. So the impact is like wild that like people are willing to like show up, do stuff, find their own community and things. But that being said, if you share the wrong thing or people just have bad days, you can get cyberbullied and attacked very quickly and it can go very south. I am just sort of in my mind, internally, <laughs> vigorously nodding. And yeah. something I notice about Clock Out DC, you have been so successful at effectively building this platform and growing this audience that one might get the impression that you're working with a team, that you've got, you know, an assistant, a social media person, a PR person, but really it's mostly just a one-woman show yourself, right? It is solely a one woman show. For example, I, I sold these t-shirts uh, called Views Not of My Employer because it's kind of like a joke because I have a full-time job, right? And I have to ship them. And like two nights ago, I was like, okay, great. So how exactly do we print shipping labels? And how exactly do I put them in bubblers? And how am I going to drop 50 envelopes to the mailbox? And I have to get a new supplier because my first supplier won't be able to make all 100 shirts. And cool, right? So I'm not only a content creator. Now I'm also like a little like Amazon warehouse employee. Great. And so it's like one in the morning and my dog's looking at me and I'm playing Celine Dion like with packaging tape. So yeah, it's a one woman show completely. Yeah. And so being a one woman show, I, I think it creates this attitude where people feel more entitled to message, because you're so good at what you do, it gives the impression that, oh, she has a team, like they should be on this. And so they don't realize that in fact that they're messaging one person with a full-time job, you know? And so they might be like, oh, you didn't talk about this or you talked about that in the wrong way. And it's like, well, I'm one person. So I often feel like when you're a woman, particularly a woman of color who creates something online, people feel a lot more comfortable kind of calling you out and they don't realize that like you are one person who's a human, right? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss things. I think it goes both ways, right? That as a person of color, as a sole entrepreneur, people harp on because you're an oppressed person, you should know better Mm. about how this affects us. And we would expect better of you to be able to learn quicker and to do better. I think that is the onus. Like, white girl Jessica or whatever we can just call this person right she should learn better because she should have read like some anti-racist book but you know like you should know better because inherently like you've been oppressed before and we expect this from you I think that's where the burden is more on I agree (laughs) (laughs) I agree yeah and I also think there's just something about being a solo woman of color creative entrepreneur based in DC that I definitely feel because like I rep DC, my Instagram handles, et cetera, et cetera, are all like in DC, DC, DC. Yeah. I think that DC is such a particular kind of city because we are really plugged in for the most part to like political and social conversations. And so even if you just started this project to be oh, fun things to do around the city, there is an expectation that you will be so plugged in to what's going on in so many different socio-political communities I almost feel like it creates an impossible expectation because no one person can be plugged into, you know, every cultural mm-hmm. and political and social community and happening citywide. Yeah, no, uh, completely. I 100% agree. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like there are so many causes to support and uh, everything is also so nuanced too. And so many events and things to do also share different purposes as well and spaces for them 
too. I personally won't share spaces where I wouldn't feel comfortable going to that event or I don't like those people. I'm not going to share that event. That's different than me being like, I don't believe in this cause or whatever or something like that. I think that's a little bit different. And I personally am not at the comfortable with certain things and making that judgment call. And I hope people aren't looking towards me to make that call for them. Yeah, I think that's an important line to keep of like, I am not your conscious, like I'm telling you fun things to do in the city. Don't look to me to be your like moral arbiter of what causes you should or should not support or champion. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm doing something different. I think maybe it's partially because of like the algorithm. And I know everyone says this word in the sky, like the algorithm. But because we're so used to seeing things that we like all the time, if we see something we don't like, they just go full-fledged into like attack mode on the internet. That's, I think this is a common thing. And then the second thing too is that like on the internet, there's a lot of like black and white and people don't really have a lot of patience for nuance on the internet. Yeah, that is definitely, I mean, this is something I know far too much about, but that's definitely a true thing that algorithms and platforms are biased toward polarized ways of seeing things and compartmentalized ways of seeing things. And so social media platforms are not set up to honor nuance or humor or, you know, context and things like that. It's better at flattening those things out and taking those conversations out of context, I guess I'll say. Yeah, for sure. I will say just going back though more generally speaking, I was kind of surprised at how far I've grown for somebody who decided not to do ads. Why? What what drove this decision? What drove this decision? So I actually started the entire page because I was I don't know how much you know about my backstory about this entire page. It was never like, I'm going to one day wake up and be the anti-influencer. I was bartending Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. And I found that like the Tuesday night section of the Washington Post or the Washingtonian stuff, it didn't really have a lot that I was interested in. So I would start looking for my own events list. So I would just kind of start coming up with lists of things to do. And then I would send out this email to my friends, which then I eventually made into an Instagram. And that's what started this entire endeavor. But because I came from this as like, a, I'm looking for things to do now. I want to give people like an authentic review because they probably only have limited time and money like I do. And they should have a real, a real expectation going in. I'm so grateful that's where you landed because I have been burned on, a, on exactly what you were just talking about, the sort of cottage industry of influencer marketing, where I have been burned on sponsored social media ads that make certain immersive artistic experiences in the city look dope. And I'm like, oh my God, like this looks amazing. I got to go. And so then you buy the ticket and you're like, well, this is a little pricey, but all right. Then you get there and you're like, oh, it's just an Instagram photo opportunity. It wasn't really a really good event. And so your page is just so different because it allows for a little honesty to be injected into the conversation. No, exactly. And like, I think at this point, all the PR people and all the restaurant owners, we have a good repertoire where they know that if they invite me to an event, sometimes before, there used to be kind of this disclaimer, like if we give you free tickets, there is an expectation that you'll have an Instagram post and three videos or something in exchange for these comp tickets. And I will always reply back, sorry, I don't do exchanges like this. I will go as a media preview and I will give my fair, honest opinion, but I will not do some exchange for tickets or I would rather just go and pay the full price with my friends at a later date. 
So I think, and but I kind of just started the page in that premise. So I didn't realize though that people would really um, support that kind of a model, and that it would grow so big under that premise, and it has. So that's, that's I think that's really nice to know that that's what people want in DC. Yeah. Because as you said, in D.C., we work a lot. We might be working a side job or a side hustle or a passion. We don't really have a lot of time for whack events. We don't really have a lot of time to show up and be like, oh, I kind of got snookered into this event that wasn't good because somebody online got free tickets somewhere and convinced me to spend my money, which is limited, to show up and go. That's always been kind of the, the biggest premise is the pay to play, no pay to play and no, no sponsor content. Yeah, so I know that you took a break from the project this summer. Uh, what prompted that break? I was just getting very burnt out. I don't think people realize for a period of time, I was probably, I was responding to about, I want to say between 200 to 300 DMs a day. Because I don't know, I was like, people fangirl, like you're famous. I'm like, no, like I'm your neighbor. And like we go grocery shopping at the same store. So I just sort of started just DMing a lot of people back. And then I just realized the point was like, you know what, as this page grows, like when it was, a page of a thousand people and I had 50 DMs. That's a lot different now when you're a page of 70,000 people and you have 300 DMs. I think one day when I COVID in December, I responded to about 800 DMs in a day. That was the most DMs I responded. So if you think about one DM takes about one, one minute to respond to, you can imagine the amount of screen time I would have. And it just started to become very unsustainable, both to DM all these people back, to both go to events, to reply, to find stuff, to write the newsletter, to work at Washingtonian on top of Roe v. Wade was happening, Ukraine was happening. You know, there's so many things, right? And so every time there's an event, every time there's something terrible that happens, you share something, people get mad, you don't share something else, they get mad at you, they emotionally dump on you, they yell at you. So it was just reaching a point where I was just getting very burnt out. And I also just get awful DMs sometimes in the middle of the night. You know, you're terrible, you're ugly, you should go die. Like, you know, it was just like, I want to delete my Instagram. <laughs> and then I just took the time to like really refocus on my friends and like my family and like my work life and all these other aspects. And in June, I think I also gained like 20,000 followers. And so I think that was also part of it where you go, everybody dreams about going viral, but it's actually awful. It's just like, literally, it's just think of like a tidal wave of like, ah, like all these people, like, and like crazy chaos, like too much, too much. Yeah. I always say we're not meant to have access to strangers' opinions about us in that way. Like a wave of tens of thousands of people at one time sharing their opinion about you. Humans are not, our brains are not designed to, to, to absorb that experience in a healthy way. Yeah. I, so Nats Park has 41,000 people. That's the capacity. And I remember I was there for like Lady Gaga and Bad Bunny. And I looked around and I was like, there are more people that follow my Instagram than are currently at this concert. And like the conceptualize that is wild. And like, I remember one day there were like 15,000 people that looked at my Instagram story. And one week when I talked about the hip hop party that the African American Museum was hosting, my reach was 1 million. Wow. On my Instagram analytics. That is wild. I mean, it's it, it really goes to show the sort of what you were saying, that double-edged sword of this platform, how it's the impact of that and the fact that you were able to curate that yourself and build that yourself is amazing, but also 
that's a lot of people. That's a, a lot, lot of people. people who are all have their expectations and their versions of you in their head that they feel that you need to be accountable to. Yeah. So now that you're back in action after your break, what are you doing differently this time around to make sure that you feel like that you can approach this work from a good place? Yeah. So I kind of made this large statement about I'm not your enemy. Like, I don't want to be your enemy. If you have a problem, email me and we will get coffee. That's kind of this has always been my house rules, like with anyone. The second thing is emailing me. I think that email allows for more breathing room. I think DMs have more of this, like, automatically you need to respond to. And also I think that kind of creates kind of like what things are DM worthy versus email worthy. Less people have been DMing me. I think only like 10 people have DMed me in a week. So just trying to limit some of those those ways of public-facing interacting. And also doing more events. So if people really want to hang out, like there are places we can go and do that in real life. Yeah, here's to creating the conditions for savoring your real life while also being intentional about your online life. Yeah, for sure. Jade, where can folks, I mean, at this point, who's not following Clock Out DC, but just in case you're the one person listening who's not following how can folks follow Clockout DC? It's at Clockout DC on Instagram. Five in 100 people in Washington, DC follow Clockout DC. <laughs> these stats. Every time you say one of these stats, I'm like, oh my God, that's so many people. Wow. Well, it's a testament to what you've been able to build. Thank you so much for being here, Jade. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And before we let you go, some quick news. Metro is finally addressing fare evasion that is costing the city an estimated $40 million this year. You'll start seeing warnings at Metro stops this week, and starting in November, evaders could be fined up to $100. Metro is also looking into ways to make it harder for people to jump the fare gates. Meanwhile, D.C. officially has a unionized Starbucks. The Logan Circle store voted 10 to 6 in favor of joining Starbucks Workers United, making it the first unionized location in the district. There have been 20 Starbucks union victories in Maryland and Virginia as well. And lastly, D.C. residents, go check your mailbox. The Board of Elections has started sending out mail-in ballots to all registered voters ahead of the November 8th election. You can fill out yours and send it in as soon as you want. Or ballot drop-off boxes will be set up across the city starting October 14th. And don't worry, of course, here at CityCast, we're working on some election coverage, so you're well-informed when you vote. Email all of your election questions to us at dc at citycast.fm. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Be sure to subscribe to Clockout DC on Instagram. And while you're there, check out our page too. We're at citycast underscore DC. And that's also our handle on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. But yeah, being on the internet, man, I never knew what Reddit was until like two years ago. And I'm like, oh, has it improved my life? I don't know. Like... (laughs)